In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord, make us worthy to pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespasses against us. It is not temptation, but this evil one. Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, okay, we'll get right into it because I actually um, will try and be for once a little bit concise today because I've got uh, uh, a couple of appointments after this. So um, I'm going to go through the questions. I think uh, you guys um, have the link. There's there's a bunch of questions already posted. Um, this also will, might be the last one that I do for the month before I head out for um, Vancouver. Um, and then I might start again. So I might actually use some of the questions and pre-record a video or something and, and paste it because I won't be able to do stuff in real time uh, when we do it. So uh, feel free to upvote because um, I'm just going to go in order. And if someone can uh, keep an eye um, to make sure that I, um, if somebody's upvoted and then a question disappears that I don't get to see it, that somebody can can let me know. Okay. The first question is, when there is uh, so much peace in your life, um, is it wrong to think what trouble is going to come next? How should I perceive the future? I would say don't worry about the future because that's what the Lord said, right? The Lord is, um, the, Lord is, is the standard. Um, and so the Lord said, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof um so i know where that's coming from because i know that like a lot of the, a lot of people talk about the calm before the storm if things are going really well that the devil is going to come and, and work it up there's merit to that that is a thing that's not like not a thing um but at the same time if you spend your life trying to think about the future then you're never living now and if you're not living now you're going to be miserable um, you're going to get anxious, you're going to have worries, you're going to have all these things because you're planning and thinking about things that aren't in, in, in the present. Um, and then you're trying to deal with all the hypotheticals and none of the hypotheticals are, are, are real. Um, so I would say better not to live in the moment, live with what you're doing. Um, there's enough to worry about uh, today. I'd also say if there's so much peace in your life now, why, why remove it? right? Just say thank you for it and enjoy it um, while it lasts, because we all know that there are some, some periods of peace and sometimes there are periods of, of difficulty. Um, a reason for prayer is to grow in my relationship with God. How do I actually succeed in that when prayer just seems to become repetitive? Um, so, you're right that one of the reasons for prayer is to grow in your relationship with God. The question, to like when you're saying that things become repetitive, um, means that a person has to think about what they're doing when they pray. So the reason why prayer is part of the growth in relationship with God is because it's communication. Okay? So if I treat God like I'm reading a script, um, you're, 
you're, you're not going to grow in prayer necessarily. Um, and it will be repetitive, right? So, I mean, it's not normal for you to, to take Shakespeare as your script to talk to people when you're talking to them. That's, that's not a, that's not a thing that I, like, I think that most people do, right? So if you look at prayer as here's my words that I'm reading out to somebody, that's, that's not going to necessarily take you very far. That's not saying that there's no value to it. And so what I would say is that understand the reason for using different things. Okay. So when you're using the Psalms or the Igbeya, bring your mind into it so that you're not just reciting words. So I know I've overused these examples in other talks, so forgive me if you've already heard this before. But um, if you look at the Psalms, there are Psalms for all seasons. If you're reading a script, you won't even notice. Right. And if you're reading it in a language that you can't even understand, that's going to be a problem, too. So you need to understand it. So, for example, for a psalm of the compliant hour. In street language, King David is saying, Lord, I'm calling out from the pits because life sucks. I am begging you to hear me. And if you're going to hold like my sin against me then like who can stand before you, right? If you're vindictive, right? If you're, if you're vindictive, then how are we going to even have a conversation with you? And then he says something ridiculously bold where he says, but there's forgiveness with you so that we might respect you. That's, that's actually, I, I never lose amazement at what he said because that's bold, right? He's saying if, the, if you weren't a forgiving type, we wouldn't be able to respect you. Because he's basically saying, because if you're just going to be mad at us all the time, no matter what we do, and you never forgive us, then like, sorry, like, what's the point of talking to you? That's really, really bold. And he says, but there's, and he's like, but you know what? I know you're going to come through. I'm just really struggling. Um, like, he collects himself. Um, and so that's not a bad song to say, okay, when I feel stuck and like, I didn't really actually do anything wrong, that might be, be a good song to say. There's other times where he's speaking, saying, no, I messed up hard. There's other times where he's saying, vindicate me because I did nothing wrong. There's days where he says, you know what? Things are rocking right now. Thank you so much. There are days where he's saying, you the man, you the boss. This is awesome. There are days where he's saying, I'm in such a mood right now, Lord. So if you're just reciting words, yeah, you're not going to catch on that that's happening. But when you start paying attention to the words, then you might be like, oh, I'm in a Psalm 136 mode today. I'm by the rivers of Babylon. Right? So you need to bring your mind into it. Otherwise, it is just repetitive. If you, like, you've got to remember that prayer is a form of communication. So if with your friends, you just have the same script that you say over and over again, you're not going to grow in your friendship. Hi, how was your day? How are you? That's good. I'm happy. Cool. So what's up? Nothing much. KK, cool, LOL, see ya. And then on repeat, your friendship's not going to grow, right? And that's why prayer is part of the growth relationship because it's part of your speaking. And then we look for the different ways that God speaks back. And that's why there's many talks about prayer, about God's answers, about the different forms of spiritual life, because prayer is not a standalone, just this by itself is the way that we only communicate.
if you view it as that, then you're gonna you might assess it wrongly. So that's what I'm saying. It's good that you had part of it right, like of saying that one of the reasons to grow in your relationship that's correct. If you want to succeed in it, then you need to actually be talking to God and not talking to yourself, um, and not talking at an object and not talking at a wall, but talking at a at a living being, which means also getting to know Him. So I won't spend a long time on that because there could be a lot a whole series of talks on prayer, not that I know how to do it, but um, uh, that I think might suffice to what you're saying feel free to follow up in the in the zoom or on here if you want but it might be easier on on the other one um i have feelings for a guy that is suitable but feel like can't do anything of course seeing foc praying for months nothing's changed i'm scared of rejection um i'm not i'm not um, entirely sure what um what the question is, or if it's just saying like, what what do I do with this? So I'll just I'll just comment to the best of my ability, and I'm sorry if I um, misunderstand what you might have been getting at with with what you wrote. I would say that relationships are a risk, right? Any 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 relationship you run the risk of rejection, you run the risk of breaking up, right? Like there's like that that's the risk you take when you put yourself on the line and say I'm interested. Um, or the risk that you take when you say, let's try this relationship. You you enter a relationship that you know might not go where you desire it to go. Um, and so what I would say is first make sure you know why you're why you're going into a relationship. Because if I'm deciding to date, I hope that the objective of your dating is to try and find out your compatibility. If that's your actual objective desire is like, let's find out if we are actually compatible. Then even though your feelings might be hurt, you're not gonna be angry or upset if things go in any direction, positive or negative, in the sense that what you wanted was to know, are we compatible? So if the person says no, actually, if you're being objective, maybe that will actually give you peace. So just saying, okay, so I found out it's a no, great. We're not compatible, good thing I didn't waste my time. But if your suitable age is under guidance, like you've done your, 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 your homework, you've been prayerful, and you simply just don't do anything at all, you're creating your own prison because you're, you're the one who's not willing to, to, to try um, because of your fear of rejection, but at the same time, you're just in limbo. So you need to ask why you're just waiting. If Is it just fear of rejection or is that you don't want the other person, you don't want this guy, you want the guy to take the first step. But like, that's what I'm saying, that, like you said there's guidance, so I would bring that up with, with whoever you're getting guidance from. But um, fear of rejection is normal. Fear of rejection is normal. But if you let your emotion of fear rule you, you're never gonna get an answer and you're just gonna constantly feel what you're feeling right now. At the end of the day, you're going to have to take the courage and say, rejection is a possibility, but let's find out if we're compatible. If we're not, we're not. Better to find out. Um, how do you not become distressed and filled with anxiety with everything happening in the world? What are practical ways to keep our peace and trust in God? Yeah, that's a tough one these days. Um, for me, I've been trying to tune out, to be honest with you, and I know someone's going to probably crucify me for saying that um, to, each his, to each his or her own. 
Um, I think that we just don't need to constantly know what's going on in the world. We're sold that we need to. Um, I'm not saying intentionally know nothing, although there's not necessarily anything wrong with that either. I'm just, I'm not saying that it's wrong to watch the news, but I'm saying, but if it makes you filled with distress and anxiety, tune out. Um, I made the mistake recently of, um, like, I, I, I'm not really into social media. I was usually using it just to post links and, and do whatever. I made the mistake of reading more lately. And I saw what it did to me. It did get me worked up. It did get me riled up. It did make me defensive, argumentative. Like it, it, it pulled it out because I, I guess I wasn't, I was forgetting that I was entering a war zone. Um, and that's my own miss, my miss site. So um, one, disconnect, disconnect. Two, focus on the good that's going on. Actively look for it. What's going on well in your life? What's going on well in your relationships? What's going on well? Um, in, 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 in your community, what are positive things? And if you don't, if they can't come to mind, then you need to actually look for them because for sure there's something going on good in the world. Um, so, so I would say, make sure that you, you, um, you, you, you tune out actively and that you intentionally tune in, um, to the positive. Um, and I don't know where the question went there it is sorry it had disappeared um and three i would say don't try and solve problems that aren't yours to solve if you want to keep your peace and trust in god because if we outstep our boundaries and i'm 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 really guilty of this sometimes actually right when we step out and, and we want to offer um a help help or solution or advice really it begs the question of why do I think that I'm the one to solve this I'm not going to call I'm not going to do world peace like individually um, I can be peaceful where I'm at but I'm not going to be the one who resolves the, the, the conflict in Palestine and Israel I'm not going to the one who's going to help Google put Palestine on, on, on the map or remove it whatever side of the war that you stand on right I'm not the one who is going to solve um someone else's problems i'm not saying don't care about others i'm not saying don't care about the world i'm simply saying don't outstep your boundaries in terms of what you can and can't do and instead that's why in liturgy if we pay attention we have litanies for almost everything pray for the peace of the world pray for the unity of the churches pray for the 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 the, the hierarchs the bishops the clergy in every single way and the lady and the sick and the distressed and the victims and the orphans and the widows and the strangers, right? Ra 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 raise the waters of the rivers of everywhere, like that there not be drought. So turn it into active prayer um, because we believe in, in, in prayer and then find out what is your way of being able to do something positive where you are with the gifts that you're given. That way I think you'll have peace when you're in, 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 in the right zone. Once you step out of your boundaries, that's where you're gonna have frustrations, right? Like if, if I am annoyed at the policy um, in my city, I can say, okay, well, what are the ways that we express our voice? I can use those, no problem. But if I then be like, no, 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 I'm gonna organize a demonstration, I'm gonna get it going. And then the demonstration is not successful. I'm gonna be frustrated. I'm not gonna be at peace because I was using a method that, that doesn't make sense. So. Um, necessarily I'm making it maybe it makes sense somewhere before someone gets upset with that but my point is don't 
don't be overly involved, right? That's why the gospel says, be meek, be meek, right? Turn the other cheek. If you want real peace, live the gospel. That's the last thing, right? Don't return evil for evil. Don't gossip. Don't be, don't have idle chatter. You hear something negative, don't repeat it, right? It's not profitable. Um, you notice somebody did something messed up. Don't go telling the whole world. You don't need to, right? Those are those are different things. And I'm, I'm, I'm using those examples because of the whole, with everything happening in the world, where I'm just like, yeah, lock it out. And the more you replace the negative with the positive, the less negative is going to be in your head. Um, I hear that you're going to Vancouver. Um, when will this be and for how long? Um, yes, I am. It's official now. I will be starting September 1st, God willing, as a general priest for youth. Um, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be most of the year. I'm just going to be going back to California um, and to Egypt for November to February each year. Um, but as far as I've been told so far, the rest of the year, outside of those four months, will all be um, in Vancouver. Um, I've been trying to shift my prayer um, from asking for things to a collaborative way, trying to dialogue. I still never feel response and advice. Okay, that's that's. I'm glad that you're that you're that you're switching it. That's really really good, right? So it's good to first of all have switched to dialogue. Um, the responses now come from the disposition that I live towards him. Okay, so by that what I mean is think about any normal relationship that you have. So let me say, for example, my, my parents, okay? The majority of the year, I'm not with them physically, okay? And I'm, I'm a terrible communicator in general. Okay, so how do I interact with them? It's going to be depending on whether I call or not, whether I answer calls or not, whether I answer texts or not, whether I write them texts or not. Maybe it's letters, maybe it's video chatting, maybe like there's all these different methods of communication. So why am I saying that to answer your question? It's to say, what channels do I have turned on for this dialogue to occur in? Because those are the channels to which God will speak if you allow him. And they are many, okay? So um, the Bible is a really good one. I really mean it because that's, that's one of the ones where he speaks to a lot to a lot of people. Um, it can be your service. It can be your parents. It can be your friends. It has so many ways um, in which God responds to prayer. There's a whole lecture on this on, on Anaphora um, that, that um, if you shoot um, a message on Zoom, I can um, uh, try and get the link for you. Um, but those are the ways, like th those are the, the, the channels, okay? The other thing I would say is pay attention to your dialogue, that you're, not, that you're asking for things that make sense to ask for. I'm not trying to set this up as like a, as a defense lawyer thing, but what I mean is that um, I wanna make sure that I'm asking questions that are questions that, that, are, that are answerable or that I'm owed the answer to, right? Because I could have a dialogue, for example, with my next door neighbor, and say, tell me what your salary is. And my neighbor could say, that's none of your business, right? So what I mean is make sure also that in your dialogue as well, that you're asking the things, you're talking about the things that, that, that make sense. That's number one. Um, otherwise, you also might feel some stagnancy, right? Because if your dialogue is like, 
tell me why this is happening. Tell me why this is happening. I'm not accusing you of doing that. I'm saying, but if that's what it is, you might run into problems. If your dialogue is, tell me right now whether I should choose this or this, that might not be reasonable. How do I know it's reasonable or not reasonable? That's where the lies of the saints, the Bible, the tradition comes to find out the character of God. That's why I'm like, part of prayer is Bible. Part of prayer is service. Part of prayer is family. Part of prayer is nature. Part of prayer is music. Part of prayer is art. Why? These are all ways where we find out things about God. And the more I find out about him, I'll have the more reasonable expectations, right? Because I now know who he is as opposed to who I'm projecting at. That's one of the biggest problems in prayer, I think, is that we really forget that we're dealing with a living being that has an actual personality. And instead, we often are dealing with him as an object. And when we deal with him as an object, then we're really just like kind of throwing things at something and not really sure what to expect. I'm saying it's really good that you've already shifted to dialogue. Now I would say is now let's work on the doors that are open for a response, as well as making sure that the person you're addressing, that you're getting to know him better so that you know how to talk to him. I hope that that helps. Um, I hope that helps a little bit. Why do we say Lord have mercy? That's a good question. Isn't he the embodiment of isn't he the embodiment um, of mercy, just as he is the embodiment of love. So we don't ask him to love us. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. But I think the issue here, and it's a, it's a good one, actually, I was talking with, with a couple of friends separately about this very thing recently. Mercy um, is almost synonymous with justice. Um, because justice not in the secular sense, because justice has an evolution of how it's used socially. So I'm not talking about social justice. I'm talking about justice, okay? Justice in the, in the biblical sense has always been about the making right, justification. Just, the word for dhika, it's, it's, it's about being, um, that's why we say in the upright faith. The word dhikeo also can mean rightness. So like this straight line on the screen, for some reason it's coming out as an angle, but that's okay. There we go. Okay, so you have a straight line. And so justification is about the making right, making it at like, like, uh, like a, a perpendicular thing. So it's like I was, I was on an angle, justification saying, how do I fix it? Mercy is the request. That's why right. mercy is a, is a verb. It's not a noun. It can be a noun, but the mercy that we're, that we're talking about in prayer is, is actually a verb. We're saying, mercy us, eleison me, eleison me, means mercy me, it's a verb, it's not a noun. It's not saying, I want you to have these feelings about me. It's saying, make it right. And the merciful acts aspect, why we're not just saying, justify me, which we also say, it, we're, what we're saying is, irrespective of my worthiness, or my merit, or my goodness, or my badness, please make me right. Please fix. That's why we're saying, Lord, have mercy. That's why the response to so many prayers is, Lord, have mercy, is we're saying, Lord, make it right. Irrespective of us, irrespective of our mistakes, irrespective of whatever the, 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 the situation is, Lord, please mercy it, fix it, make right. Um, it's a really beautiful prayer um, when we... 
um, understand that. So yes, he's embodiment of mercy, but what we're also asking for is an act, active fixing, an active justifying of the things that are happening to us in real time. Um, I hope that uh, clarified that. If it's not um, clear, then please uh, follow up because I'm not sure if I if I worded that well. Um, how to overcome the phase of doubt? I've been doubting for a very long while now to the point where I'm afraid that I've gone too far, can't re-believe in God. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong with doubt. It's not wrong. Um, it's not in and of itself wrong. There can be a wrong kind of doubt, but doubt isn't intrinsically wrong. Um, what would be wrong is a doubter who's not looking for truth. So often what's a problem with doubt? To me, like there's two ways to deal with one's doubt or two ways to increase one's faith, which is knowledge and experience. Those are the two arms. So for example, somebody could say, I think my friend betrayed me because I saw this behavior. But then if somebody comes in and provides me with knowledge of saying, by the way, this factor and this factor and this factor and this factor occurred, then now I have more knowledge, I might be like, oh, then definitely no, or definitely yes, right? I can become closer to the conviction. Or because of my great experience with the friend that I've had over years and years and years and years, I'm able to say, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I, I, I know this person very well. I highly doubt that that's what it meant, but I'll, I'll follow up and ask, okay? So knowledge and experience, are two big things. More specifically, and I, and I actually might consider doing a few talks about doubt because I think it's a, it's a big topic that isn't gonna be a 10 minute answer. Something that I, I see a lot with people who are struggling with doubt, I am somebody who struggled a lot with doubt. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking out of non-experience in this regard. Um, a lot of the issues with people's doubt today is that they don't know things. They assume things. And sometimes they have irrational, and I'm not being sarcastic, irrational hypotheses because of the knowledge that they lack, but they think they're being very intelligent. And they are on some level being intelligent, but actually their, their, their concepts are, are out of whack. By what, I mean, what I mean by that is, it's like, if I had the expectation that something should happen, and it doesn't, I might get upset and I might have these emotions that I have. What I'm trying to say is that we often have completely wrong expectations, completely wrong definitions because of our lack of knowledge. And so we're assessing something in a completely wrong way because our expectation was messed up to begin with. Okay, so again, overuse example, if, if if people think AP is going to reply to them in a timely matter, he, he usually does not. So if I have in my head, nope, I understand that all priests are supposed to answer on the spot. Then if that's my expectation that I think I have conviction about for the right reasons, and then it doesn't happen, then I'm going to be like, wow, therefore, 
either AP isn't a priest or he's a bad priest or he's stupid or he's whatever, okay? Or he's just a jerk. So the real question that get, needs to be begged is, from where did I get that expectation? That's where I'm going with this. Where did I get that expectation from? Because if my expectation is misinformed, I'm going to always get bad results and I'm going to be more and more convinced of my position because nobody confronted the wrongness of my expectation. That's the thing that I see so often that happens, right? So for example, somebody will be like, I prayed and I didn't get an answer. And that begs the question of what is prayer for? What did you assume prayer was for? What do you believe the answer ought to look like? What do you believe is God's way of answering and from where did you get that? And you might have heard that information from somebody and, 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 and it was fair. Or you might have a right piece of information that you're using the wrong way, right? And that's how we deal with everything in life, not just religion, so that you don't say, oh, he's saying that, so, like you're gonna end up like uh, having an, an, a, a, an infallible theory because you can never falsify the theory. No, that's how we deal with everything, right? That's how we deal with everything. And that's why I'm always trying to, to force everybody to be more objective, to look for absolute truth, okay? And the two biggest questions of life in anything are what is the truth and what does that mean? Those two questions are extremely important because I may have a fact and have a wrong expectation built off of it or a wrong explanation of the meaning of it, right? So for example, um, I'll give an example from, from my house of something that happened when we were kids. Me, my sister, my brother, we were at a, like someone, a neighbor's house and we were swimming. My dad had given us um, a time limit. So we ran out to the front, um, uh, the front lawn of the friend's house and my sister saw my dad walking towards the house. So she told us, run into the house, go get changed so that dad doesn't need to wait for us when he comes. Now, dad saw his three kids see him and go running, okay? So there was an objective fact that occurred. The three kids ran. So there's a truth there. But then the question becomes, and what does that mean? One interpretation is that we ran there to escape him because we wanted to swim longer. Another interpretation could be, um, we went to play tag. Another interpretation could be, we went into change. There are a whole lot of meanings that are there. And so we have to find out what is the actual meaning there. Okay. So for example, I mean, we did a talk on this recently, so I'm not going to um, um, rehash it completely. But for example, if I say, because evolution has been observed, therefore there's no God. No. I have to ask the question of why would the existence of evolution, and I'm not saying that it is or it isn't, I'm not getting to that right now, I'm just saying why, let's say that was an absolute fact, it was true. Why have I decided that the meaning of it, that the meaning of it um, is therefore there's no God, right? So as I'm saying, with your doubts, if you're not holding them to that scrutiny, that's going to be a problem. Two, 
expose it to somebody who's actually knowledgeable about the thing you're struggling with. So I've seen a phenomenon that I think is so weird. Um, forgive me because I'm like quasi venting right now. Where I've met people struggling with doubt who say, someone's like, oh, you should talk to an Abuna. And they're like, no, they're going to be biased. And that makes, like, blows my mind. Because I'm like, yeah, of course I am. Because I believe in it. It's not a stupid bias. It's because I actually believe in it. And so, yeah, the, the, theoretically, the person of faith would be the right person to ask about faith. Right. If I'm struggling with a scientific concept and someone says, go ask a scientist, I'm like, no, 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 the scientist is biased. The scientist is biased. Let me go ask the, the mechanic. That's ridiculous. And if I say, oh, my gosh, I don't trust my mechanic. I'm not sure that this is true. This thing in my car It's like, oh, man, for sure. You should call your dietitian, bro. That's illogical. So go to the person who actually knows about that. And not every Christian is an expert in matters of, of, of doctrine. So go to the one that is, and you don't have to expect them to. In the same way, for example, like manage your expectations. In the same way that not every, uh, every scientist is a physicist. A physicist is a type of scientist, right? Not every physician is a gynecologist. Some are, right? So you wanna go to the person where that's a specialty for. So don't be like, oh, I asked my mom and she's a Christian and her answers were dumb because I've seen that happen a lot, right? Where they'll drill their parents and say, oh, mom and dad, you weren't even to give me satisfying answers. You can even tell me why you believe. Therefore, you're all dumb. You're all brainwashed. You're all repeating the same things, but you actually haven't done your work. So confront it and do the work. Um, and finally, I would say, be honest in your pursuit of truth. Don't desire a particular answer desire the truth because if you are trying to have a particular answer you're always going to have doubt about something because you have been dishonest in, in in the work that would be the general framework there you i don't i don't want to spend the whole thing on it but i'm thank you for asking that um how do you get over the guilt of sin even after confession and repentance i'm constantly reminded of this sin on the daily and it's paralyzing me. Um, I think you would need to think a little bit outside of yourself a little bit to actually get through some of this, okay? Because if you believe you're in a relationship, your constant um, guilt and paralyzation actually would be putting the relationship on hold okay imagine if a couple gets in a fight and one of the members of the couple loses his or her temper and cusses out the other and imagine if that person feels so guilty that every day they're like i just i just can't talk to you i just can't talk to you i'm just so bad i'm just so bad i'm just so unworthy i just can't i just can't. i'm just i'm disgusting i'm filthy and the partner is like, like okay, like, th thank you for your sorrow, right? Thank you for feeling badly. I appreciate how much it's affected you. Can, I, just, I need to talk to you about like, what we're going to do with the kids tomorrow. And you're like, no, 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 I can't. I'm just so bad. I'm so bad. I'm so gross. I'm so disgusting, right? I mean, I'm, trying to, I'm saying think about it in that way. Because if you are in your own self just thinking that, you're not actually really in a relationship. You're actually just satisfying your own guilt. 
which I don't think a lot of us think about that much, okay? Um, two is like, if you're in that kind of relationship, it's like, okay, your partner has forgiven you. So what does that say about how you feel about your partner if you keep doing that, right? So when it comes to God, God's viewing of you never changes, ever. What sins you do or do not do are completely inconsequential to your status as son or daughter of God, period. There are no howevers. We are his kids, period. A parent doesn't change the relationship of father to son or mother to, to son or mother to daughter or father to daughter. None of that changes based on people's activities. The relationship is a fact. Our decisions that we make can affect the nature of the relationship. And by nature, I don't mean what it is. I mean the back and forth, the tone, right? The, the, the ability to function and non-function. That's where our decisions affect things. So stop and say, I'm still his son. I'm still his daughter, even though I've messed up. Thank you to the other party for forgiving me. And then say, and then what does it mean for me to keep going um, and, and, and viewing myself in that way? Because um, you will continue to be paralyzed if you only focus on you. Relationship means giving out to the other. So even for the sake of the relationship, I would say, stop focusing on that and focus on something positive. What can I offer? What can I give? What can I talk about? How can I help out? What can I enjoy? Whatsoever things are true, lovely, pure, worthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, think on these things. So actively think about and do positive things. And the paralyzation won't even occur to begin with. Um, how do you find the talents that God has blessed you with? I'm in my mid-20s and I feel a lack of self-worth. Um, what do you think I should do? Um, so number one, like often where our talents are, are the things in which we find ourselves naturally most happy, right? So for example, like there are people who, if you gave them a pen and paper, they're like, what do you want me to do with this? There's another person who will immediately without question just start drawing, right? So think about the things that, that intrinsically just get you excited, that you're really looking forward to do, and that will tell you something about yourself. Right. So, for example, if you're really excited to see people, then, OK, why am I excited to see people? And that might lead you to find out, oh, it's because I like listening to people. I'm like, oh, it might be because I like pleasing people or, oh, I like hearing people's problems or, oh, I like physical activity. Like there's like it could lead to a bunch of things. So, like, look at yourself of where do I find myself most naturally joyful? Two, sometimes what I tell people is if you could design a week where you get to choose um, every single activity, you get to control your schedule. There's, you could do anything you wanted. There's no obligations of any kind. What would you do? 
because that will that will indicate something to you. It'll tell you something about what you value and what you like and what you're good at. Because people tend to put in their schedule the things that they're good at. We don't tend to put in the things that we're bad at. Some people do, but just most of us don't. And three, I would also say, ask people, as awkward as that might be, right? It might be worth saying like to your, your closest friends, your family, hey guys, like this is not an ego trip. I'm not looking for praise, but what do you think I'm good at? Like, what do you think I'm good at? If I were to write my resume with what are your strengths, what would you tell me are my strengths? If you could choose any kind of service for me, what would it be? Why? Um, because that way um, you'll be able to um, to hear what's there and you'll see, you'll see trends. How do I transition to recognizing and ensuring I see God's presence actively at all times? Practically, what is renewal of mind in him at work? Sorry, um, I'm, I'm mumbling. How do I transition to recognizing and ensuring I see God's presence actively at all times? Practically, what is renewal of mind in him at work or life look like? Um, I won't go into this at length because part of this was the with the, with the Lord uh, Thursday night thing from like a couple of months ago. Um, I think the issue is that we think that being with God and in, in His presence means like almost like a like a, a an unnatural like looking at some object and saying, "Hi, you're right there." That can be helpful. I'm not even saying don't do that. I'm just saying that God is. In all things, he fills all the treasury of good. He's, he's in all places and fills all things, okay? And so by recognizing that I am with the Lord, that already puts me into a state of being in God's presence. If I'm prayerful about my work, and by prayerful about my work, that doesn't mean praying psalms while I work, though it could mean that. It could mean, if you're a pharmacist, being like, Lord, um, thanks for this help me with this what do you think of this patient is there something that i ought to say with them um you had a really good dialogue with the patient wow lord that was a really beautiful dialogue i really hope that she recovers i really hope that um he gets what he needs i really hope that this this happens where you're in a state of conversation with him as opposed to turning god on and off it becomes how you actually interact with him in general right take your normal thoughts and direct them at god Take whatever you read in the Bible the night before or the morning and say, how am I living this, Lord? How am I living this? What do you think? What do I do here? Right? Like, it's more about a disposition than it is about an activity. That's the renewing of the mind. Because the renewing of the mind means that I am, I am now taking my mind and putting it in a direction. It's in a trajectory. It is in a disposition towards God. And if I do that, I'm going to see his presence very easily because I will actually start to recognize him like related to the prayer thing above, you'll even start to see answers. You might even find your patient is answering one of your questions for you, right? So it's, 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 it's about being, um, it's about, it's about re, repositioning the mind towards the being of God, as opposed to God being a separate function, a random thing in another place that I once in a while send up direct arrows to as opposed to he's in the room with me just like everybody else. Um, I struggle with low self-esteem and paralyzing social anxiety. 
Um, I fear not being able to meet someone or not being my true self if I do. Um, how to battle this? Um, number one, if it's something like more um, clinical, um, then you you might need to to talk to someone professional. Okay, um, so I'm, I'm I'm speaking from the spiritual side of things, but that doesn't rule out um, the possibility. Um, uh, that there might need to be um, active active help. Um, two is to like ask what, where is my low self esteem um, and social anxiety coming from? Like what's caused it? Because like that that might need some 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 active work that I I, I can't say generally because that that's going to be so specific. So it's about getting some guidance about what is what is causing that, and then how can I um, work on that. Um, but you need to be your true self, including your low self-esteem and social anxiety. Okay. And by that, what I'm not saying is those are great things to have cool, have it. What I mean is don't pretend you don't have those things because then you might be getting to know somebody, somebody might be getting to know a fake you. Okay, so if someone's getting to know a fake you, then you're going to have even more anxiety because you're going to be like, oh, wow, and they dumped me because when they realized who I really was, they didn't like me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so don't, don't do that. And then the third thing that I would say is related to um, one of the questions earlier is live in the present moment. Okay, there's a wonderful book, if you haven't read it, um, any of you on here, uh, it's called Interior Freedom um, by Father Jacques Philippe. I really, really recommend it because it mostly focuses on that concept. It's a very biblical Christian concept. He's a Roman Catholic. Um, but it, it's true to what the Lord said. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Most of our anxieties, most of our worries, most of these things come from us evaluating something that is not occurring right now. Okay? So if I met with somebody, I met with somebody. They ask me, how are you? I answer them. But if I start analyzing what they say, I'm not going to have peace. Being like, oh, but they didn't say it in this mood. Maybe they mean this. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. They, like, You start thinking about a whole bunch of random things that could be. So much so that you're in the world of the could and not in the world of the is. So come back to the world of the is. Right? I'm driving right now. If you're driving and wishing you were with your family, you're not going to be at peace. If you're with your family and wishing you're at work, you won't be at peace. If you're having a conversation with your spouse while having a conversation in your mind about something else that you're, that you're upset about, you're not really present to your spouse that you're speaking to. So I would say come back to the now. If you live in, in the anywhere but now, you're going to set yourself up um, for a lack of peace in its various forms, whether social anxiety, et cetera. Um, and then with regard specifically to self-esteem, I would say most issues of self-esteem come from a wrong valuing system. So I would say challenge your valuing system, because if I think that a decent person has such and such and such qualities, I need to ask, from where did I get that idea? And on what basis did I evaluate myself? And what good does that do me? It usually comes from wrong thoughts, wrong ideas, wrong expectations, wrong evaluations, all of which are activities that we probably shouldn't bother be doing to begin with. 
Um, can or should the desire in my heart for a partner be filled by my relationship with Christ? Are they separate or should my fulfillment in Christ eliminate this desire? Um, no, your, your desire for a spouse is not unholy. God designed that. So being close to God, having a strong relationship with God, doesn't mean you're not going to long for a spouse. It doesn't mean that. So no, you're not in a, a weird state or a poor spiritual state if you love God and desire a partner. That's not a sign of a weakness per se. There may be weakness, but it's not just because you desire a spouse. That's not a sign of, of definite um, weakness. Because a proper marital relationship is just a joint pursuit of the unity with God. It's, it's part of your relationship with Christ. It's an expression of your relationship with Christ. It's not a parallel thing to your relationship with Christ. It is your relationship to Christ. It's your salvation. So, um, no, I don't think that they should be separate at all. Um, what I just say is be patient. Be patient. Like, it's, it's not... Um, make sure you're doing what's right to the best of your ability. But no, don't worry that if you want something that it somehow means that you're um, that you're a weak Christian or that you you just don't love God enough. I know that some people say that to to help comfort people, but that's that's not necessarily true. God created that desire. He said it's not good for man to be alone, um, and He could have said, "Adam, be filled by me," and He didn't. He said, "Be with me together." Be family even as I am family, because love, this is actually quite possibly a sign of your love. Love needs to be directed at something. So the more you direct love at, at many things, the, more, the less that the desire might be there necessarily for a partner, but it may not eliminate it. So I'm just saying don't, don't view the existence of that desire as, it's, as, a, as an actual measure of spiritual success. Does believing in God make one feel not alone? And if not, will it make life harder? What happens to non-believer? Um, what is hell? I don't pray because I don't rely on it to work. Um, okay, these are very loaded questions. Um, so, um, number one, does believing in God make one feel not alone? Not necessarily. You still have feelings. Having a strong relationship with God may make you feel not alone. But just believing as a fact that God exists does not mean you're not going to ever feel alone. Especially um, if you look at the Lord himself, God incarnate, the Lord felt abandoned in the garden. He's about to die and his friends ditch him. And he says, now I am alone and my soul is troubled, but what shall I say? Father, take this cup from me? No. So, no, that's not, believing in God is not at all suggestive that you will never feel alone. So that's not an issue if you, if you do. Um, I'm not sure if the if not will it make life harder, what that's referring to. I don't know about if that means they're not feeling alone part or they're not believing in God part. Does not if if the question is does not believing God make life harder? 
I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I actually don't, I don't know. Maybe for, for some people it would, for some people it wouldn't. To me, it would make life harder because to me, life just wouldn't make sense. Because if there's no God, just from my, my own perspective, I'm not saying this is why anyone needs to believe in God. Just, you ask me, I'm answering you as me. Um, if there's no God, it means there's no objective truth. It means there's no absolute. And if there's no absolute, that means there's no reason to anything. Anything, any meaning what could only be random. And to me, that would make life really hard. Because it would mean that nothing that I do actually has meaning. So I'd have no idea why I should do anything at all. And I think for me, that would be really hard. For someone else who couldn't care less about anything because they don't believe there's anything meaningful, that might make it easier for them. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have that mindset to, um, to assess it. What happens to a non-believer? I have no idea. That's God's problem, not mine. I'm not being sarcastic. Um, what is hell? I don't know. That's God's problem, not mine as well. Um, because there are many different traditions about what hell is. There's the fire and brimstone version. There is the constant regret version. There is the, um, the Isaac the Syrian version, um, where what Isaac the Syrian said is he gave an analogy and said, think of the story of the prodigal son. The dad did an act of love. He forgave the son. Most people would agree that was really nice of him, that act of mercy. He goes, but now think of the older son, the younger son. Imagine if after the party is done at the end of the night, you put the two sons in the same, the same room as the dad. One of them loves the dad for his love. And the other one hates the dad for his love. But the father is just being the father. It's the internal reaction. That's another version of hell. Okay, so that's why I'm just like, I, I, I can't tell you, we don't know. We just, we just, we have a concept called that. What are the mechanics of it? How does God govern it? I don't know. I don't think anybody can answer that. Um, I don't pray because I can't rely on it on to work. Okay, no problem. I mean, that's like, that's a personal choice. Um, what I would challenge you to, that I said earlier is, on what basis do you say it works or not works? Do you know what it is? Do you know how to do it? Do you know whether or not your expectations were right or wrong? Do you know what it really means to pray? Or did you just assume it? Because if you just assumed it and then you didn't get the result that you wanted, then to you it didn't work because you had a wrong expectations, right? If I think that shoving a pen to my auxiliary cable is going to make my pen play music, that's a wrong expectation. And I'm just going to be frustrated. I'm going to say this pen doesn't work. So I would challenge you to try and find out, do you even know what it is? And I'm not at all being combative or sarcastic. Um, but just be careful that you're not being presumptuous and, 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 um, overdoing your own intellect in terms of what's what's right or wrong and whether or not your logic stands up to to reality one of the reasons if you don't mind my my divergence um one of the reasons that i took time to talk about about angelos um on one of the talks was not to to do a light show one of the things that i that i benefited from seeing the supernatural that i have no problem saying out loud because i saw it and i can't deny that i saw it um is to say that I had a, I, I'm still very egotistical. It's not like a past tense. I'm very egotistical. And I, I tend to think I'm very logical. Um, and, I, and I think often that I'm intellectually sound. 
And so I analyze things, I assess things, sometimes when it's not my right, sometimes improperly. I do the very things that I'm challenging you not to do. That's why I'm saying it. When I saw these events happen, one of the things that it did to me was that instead of my mind being the ruler and trying to subject that thing over there that happened to my mind, of saying, how can I make that make sense? The right thing to do was instead to say, regardless of what I think, this was real. And to conform my thoughts to truth, instead of trying to proclaim my thoughts and my ideas as the truth. That's the problem that most of us um, find ourselves in, that you really got to be careful of. Um, because I'm, I'm wondering, just from the way that this question is formed, if you might be doing that. Um, and the reason why I'm saying is that is because you're forming the question in a way of, if this, then that. And I'm, and I'm trying to challenge that your if and then might actually not be right. Just something to think about. Um, what time is it? Okay, I will go for roughly 10-ish, 10, 15 more minutes and call it um, a night. What do you do when prayer is difficult for you? Because it takes a lot of emotional energy, you become unraveled before God. I don't know if I um, know what is meant by this question, um, quite honestly. I'm not sure that I understand it, so forgive me if what I say isn't what you were getting at, I, and I mean that. Um, because my immediate gut instinct was, so what? Um, like, if how you're praying is, is, is real, then why would the difficulty matter? So for example, if two spouses should communicate, if one spouse finds part of the communication difficult, the solution is not to not communicate. Right. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know that the difficulty is what matters, but what I could also do is say, why is it difficult that I can work on that? Is it difficult because I've misunderstood what I'm supposed to do? Cool. No problem. There's a solution for that. Um, is it difficult because it's just this part is out of my comfort zone? Okay. No problem. That can be worked on and you might not even need to change. Right. So I'm just saying it really depends on what the difficult, and that's thing I don't know what the question is asking because I don't know the difficulty because if it's emotionally draining and, and you're unraveled, but that's you being authentic, I'm not sure that that's a problem. Um, how can we avoid getting hurt when we get too attached to our spiritual father? Um, I think that's part of growing. I think that's part of growing. Um, so I think it's important for us to ask about what our expectations are, because usually when we're hurt, it's because we had an expectation that wasn't met. So I, I, I do need to ask whether or not my expectation was right or wrong. Second is like, okay, your spiritual father is also a human and he may actually make mistakes in his human capacity. And mistakes can hurt people. So I would say you're called upon to live the gospel to everybody including your spiritual father, right? So if, if, if your spiritual father has committed an actual wrong, 
then you should deal with your spiritual father the way you deal with actual wrongs. And all of us should deal with actual wrongs based on what the gospel tells us. Um, because if the issue is that you're that you're too attached, then okay, then then examine um, examine your attachment um, and 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 see, right? Or just saying like, what is it that I again? What is it that I I want? Why am I attached? Because it might be based on a very nice thing, but you just you might be trying to get it out of balance, right? So like, most of us wish that we could have um, a spiritual father on on demand. I, I wish that, right? But that's that's dehumanizing the spiritual father because the spiritual father can't be available on demand to absolutely everybody. It's impossible, right? Um, or maybe it's that um, they didn't respond to me the way that I wanted, but then was that the right response? Or not? I mean, this could get very like deep. So what I mean is, Examine the attachment, examine the why, and it would even be worth having a conversation with your spiritual father about, okay? Um, because I, I think it's very understandable. I think most spiritual fathers have probably themselves had that very same issue um, themselves. So it would be worth having that conversation. I'm sorry that it's general. It's just that it's, it's, uh, it's hard to get too specific because there's a billion rabbit holes that we could, we could take. How does it look like to live the gospel in these times? It looks the exact same as before. It just might be harder. It might be harder. I don't even know if it's harder, but it looks the exact same. We speak the truth in love. So I still have to turn the other cheek. I still cannot return evil for evil. If someone sues me for my outer garment, I'm going to give them my inner garment for free. If someone demands the extra mile, I'm going to give the extra mile. So there just might be new cultural expressions of it. But the core is we, t we speak the truth in love. That's the same at all times. Um, I just think that you might be more ridiculed these days for living the gospel than the last, I don't know, 15 centuries or so. Because the early church actually went through what we did, what we go through today. I, I, I actually think that modern North America is very much like um, the Roman Empire of the first century. Is it wrong to expect things from God? No. No, it's not. It just, what needs to be examined is whether your expectation is a reasonable expectation. Is it a right expectation? Where did you get your expectation from? That's, that what, that's what needs to be questioned. Right? That's, I'm just, that's why, like, from one of the examples earlier, if I think AP is going to answer me promptly, then that begs the question of, from where did you get that expectation? Was it a reasonable expectation? Um, and maybe it is, like, but I'm saying, like, even with God, examine that. Don't just assume that your expectation um, is right and or reasonable. Um, how do you remove the thoughts of past regrets from your mind or use them to your advantage in a spiritual sense? So I think I answered the first half of that earlier. So I'm gonna focus on the using your advantage in a spiritual sense. So if you look at spiritual life as a battlefield, because it is, okay, then all of your, your, your living is, is on a battlefield. You're having various battles. So let's say you fail a battle, okay? You failed the battle. Okay, you failed. If you spend all your time worrying about that battle, you forget that you're in a war. So you're gonna, you're gonna keep failing battles because you're stuck in that, in that space. But instead, 
to answer the second part of your question, if instead you say, okay, cool, um, I've learned from these few battles that I lost that, this, that the enemy has this tactic, then now what was a fail is being used for future successes spiritually. If I, even if it wasn't the enemy, even if it was myself of being like, oh my goodness, this whole entire time, I thought that I was, I was supposed to pull the bow back this far and so I wasn't getting X to occur, right? Or I wasn't pulling back far enough so I wasn't getting range. I didn't realize that because I didn't realize that this noise means that, oh, cool. I get it now. Now I can fight, right? So it just use it as a teaching, right? Using it as a teaching. Um, the only other time where remembrance of the past might be useful is if you're getting cocky, okay? If you're getting cocky, sometimes it's useful to say, who do I think I am? I'm the guy who did this, this, and this, and this, and this. But not to live there, but just to say, come back to earth, buddy. Um, hi, hello. Um, how does one recognize um, a hardened heart in themselves? And if it is hardened, by what means can we soften it, both in the church and secularly? Again, I, I really, I, I know I'm a broken record. It comes back to truth for me. Because most people with a hardened heart are people who have decided things about someone, about something, about an idea, about a, a relationship, about a concept. Hardened hearts are people who have said, this is what it is. If you're actually seeking truth, you're going to ask if that's what it is. Not just decide that's what it is. And you will be open to allowing people to challenge it. You'll be open to changing your mind. You'll be open to changing opinion in all respects and all things. Okay? So it's, it's so much more, it's so important that we come back to this concept of truth. Right? Because if I, for example, say, no, this guy, no matter what he does, I'm not forgiving him. Then it's like, okay, so what's the point of the gospel? What's the point of Christianity? Are you the standard? So, so why does this guy have no option of apologies, but this other person did? And you say, oh, well, because he did it seven times. Oh, so who decided seven times was the standard? You did. So why did you get to make that call? Okay, well, I bet you there are other people in your life that have also wronged you seven times. So why did you choose this guy as the one to be punished? Right? It means that, that, that you are deciding that you are the standard. So how do you recognize it? See if you're opinionated. See if you have an automated rejection of certain ideas, concepts, or people. If you do, you got a hardened heart. A person who's not hardened is open to everybody, right? If somebody says an opinion that you don't like, do you just roll your eyes? For example, and I'm not giving my own political opinion, I'm just using it because I see it so often. If you see some thunt say, oh, wow, I love Trump. Do you immediately go into the, oh, my Lord, here it is, another Egyptian that's a Trump lover? It's probably because they hate Muslims. But if you say that, if that's what you're saying, you actually have, to some degree, a hardened heart because you have predetermined and predecided what the person must mean without being open to what they actually mean, even if you think they're wrong, to allowing them to express their opinion or explain their opinion. 
If you are somebody that whenever they speak, you're waiting for them to finish to tell them why they are mistaken, you have some degree of a hardened heart. That's how, how, how I would say it. And so the solution we said, you're not the standard. I'm not the standard. The truth is the standard and the truth is a person. Um, I will answer one more um, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it for the night because I'm sorry, I do have uh, a couple of appointments. Um, why aren't girls allowed to make or bond? Um, actually, girls can make or bond. Um, I know that there's a, a cultural understanding in some places that they cannot. But to my knowledge, and I am happy to be corrected if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But to my knowledge, there is no church canon regulating that girls cannot make urban. Historically, the urban um um the bread of, of blessing um was that was was the work of the whole community um some people brought the flour some people did the baking like like there was different there was different things um and actually the prosphora when abuna lifts the it's called the prosphorine um prosphora means gift and so actually they would take you know like there's there's a lot of beauty here when the deacon or the well supposed to be the deacon says offer an order that used to be right before the choosing of the lamb things have gone out of order over history so that that prosperine that big cloth they used to walk around the church so people could put their offerings including orban in it um and then they would offer it that's why it's called the offertory because it was the offering and there could be incense in it there could be oil for the lambs. That's why the prayer for the oblations says, pray for the for those who have care over the sacrifices, offerings, first fruits, oil, incense, coverings, etc. Because people used to bring those. Um, and so that would be put on it. Um, and, and everyone participated, men, women, anybody. Um, so it may be that it's become... Um, uh, culturally in that way. Maybe there's a, a, a local reason for why or why not. Um, so that would be something worth discussing with um, your your local um, uh, church, your local hierarchy, your local clergy um, to see what that looks like. I, I have been to churches where um, where women have made the Orban. Like I, I, I've seen it. Um, in the convent, the women make the Orban um in 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 beta crease houses of consecration women make or bond so there's not an absolute against women making or bond so it, i think it might have been a, an evolution over time um there's at least um 20 questions that were not um uh, answered if not more um, so again, this is probably going to be the last one for a few weeks because of my my uh, my travels and 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 a couple of retreats. So um, I might post a, a video on its own rather than doing live and and get to more of um, uh, of these questions there. Um, in the meantime, um, let's end with um, prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but as we one. Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only God and Son, the communion gives the Holy Spirit with you all. Go in peace. The peace will be with you all. Have a good night, everybody.